0: Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So, if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand general roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies
1: and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you.
0: Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B
1: playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.
0: Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, Kevin, you're 30. My God, how time flies. Incredible. Uh, how are you feeling? How are the knees? You seem to be falling apart when I first met you four or five years ago. Um, do you feel an acceleration in you falling apart? <laughs> first
1: of all, thanks, George. Um, big 3-0, yes. Lucky enough to have some friends and family uh, over the week um, to catch up with. And no, my knees aren't accelerating in the <laughs> deterioration. I, I actually think I'm... Pretty stable these days. Um, famous last words, Touchwood, all that. But uh, yeah, we'll see how long this brief period of reprieve lasts.
0: You, you are stable in the same way that Mr. Burns' immune system is stable, and you got all those germs. You know, you got all those germs just trying to fit through at one time, which causes the blockage, meaning nothing can get through. Is impenetrable. That's
1: it. That's it. That is presumably how I'm still here still kicking.
0: <laughs> oh very good well uh, it's good to see you alive and well and uh, ready to to kick on through your dirty 30s Kev. 30 30s very good George very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right Kev well this is going to be a great episode because we're kicking into really the first part of b scene, which is the third B in our five B's framework. Last week, we just gave a bit of an introduction into B scene and told people about the two ways that they can really use B scene to amplify the awesome work that they've done in the first two stages of our framework, which is be ready and be helpful. And as a quick reminder for our listeners and for those who, I guess, haven't uh, come across the podcast, this is one of their first episodes... The first season that we spoke about that was Be Ready, and we spent about 18 episodes talking about how you can lay the foundations to deeply understand your customer so then you can have a very solid understanding of them, who they are, what their pain points are, and where they live online to then inform the rest of your marketing strategy. And then last season, we spoke all about how to be helpful at scale, and we called that Be Seen. And now we're covering Be Seen, which is the third B. And Kev, do you want to give our listeners just a quick overview again of what Be Seen is? Sure thing, George.
1: And just a quick correction, uh, George said Be Seen as the second B, but it is Be Helpful. Oh, thank That's you, Kevin. <laughs> listeners, so just in case you were getting confused there, that is, um, what do you call that, a f- Freudian slip? What is it? Yeah, I
0: don't know. You, thank you, mate. It's good to have you so so measured and wise. Now you're old and 30, and I'm <laughs> only 29 and three quarters. So, <laughs> appreciate you jumping in there. <laughs> uh, before you know
1: it, George, you'll be joining me in the 30, 30 club. Um, <laughs> anyways, to the matter at hand, be seen uh, as As George said, that is what we're covering this season, and it's all about amplifying the reach and impact of that helpful and expert content you're putting out there, ensuring that you're getting the maximum impact out of your effort so you can reinvest the return and keep scaling. In short, you are amplifying your helpful content to make sure it gets to the right people and more of the right people and therefore accelerate your growth. When we talk about your growth, obviously, we mean your B2B marketing strategy and your B2B marketing. And as George said, today, we're digging into the first part of Be Seen, um, or at least the first part we want to talk about, which is the ABM approach, account-based marketing approach. We're going to give a quick introduction to what it is, what it involves, and then we're going to dive into each part of that ABM approach as we see it and as we've... I guess collated um, across our travels and experience into what we think is um, a very good framework or starting point to kick into it uh, and to get your ABM marketing
0: off the ground. I actually think it's one of the most fun parts, Kevin, of B2B because it allows you to be really creative and personalized and I think we'll probably just dig into exactly what ABM is there so people can understand why I love it so much, why I think it allows you to be so, so creative. Well, account-based marketing or ABM, it's really about narrowing your focus on a smaller number of accounts and then creating really highly personalized experiences, communications and campaigns to win their business. It's about really figuring out who your best fit accounts are with the most value potential and then using playbooks to build relationships with them and win them over. This is really a contrary approach to scattering marketing and sort of spraying the field to get as many leads in as possible regardless of quality and trying to work through all those leads and so many are just going to be absolute rubbish and will never be your customers at all. It's instead taking a really tailored personalized approach to a select few accounts. For our listeners that have implemented a demand gen and helpful content strategy, ABM will really help identify a segment of high-value, high-intent customers, and then we're going to work with sales and marketing to nurture and convert them. Now, listeners,
1: if that sounds a little bit familiar, we do think there's a lot of crossover with the ABM approach and that 80-20 principle we've talked about in a few occasions. This is effectively a very good application, a practical application of that principle into a very specific part of the b seen part of our framework. So keep that 80 20 principle in mind because really that is the focus. You're honing in on that high value, high intent group of customers and really nurturing and converting just them. All right, George, I'm going to let you cover off on some of the benefits um, of the ABM approach for our listeners before we really dig into what's involved or entailed in setting up that approach so that our listeners can get a sense of what they're really trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, Kev, uh, some of the really key benefits are uh, the alignment of sales and marketing. So we know that very often these two functions can be at odds with each other. Sometimes marketing is in service of sales and the two just don't really see eye to eye. But the beauty of ABN is it gets the two really working together to win key accounts with personalized messaging. So we'll dive into that deeper later on, but that's a really key benefit. Another one is it really makes you the best choice for your dream customer accounts of the highest value. So as part of that 80-20 analysis, we're identifying who our best customers are, who our dream accounts are, and very often they are the ones who are the highest value to you. And then we are actually tailoring our messaging and a solution to be the best fit to them. You'll also get measurable impact from ABM campaigns. There's a very measurable input versus output from beginning to the end of the campaign, which is fantastic. You'll also get stronger customer relationships as, as a result of winning them over through account-based marketing because it is such a highly tailored, highly personalized approach. And of course, we've said it many times on this podcast, but the benefit of stronger customer relationships means they're easy to retain. It leads to more referrals. They become advocates of your business and they really help become part of that engine that's fueling your company's growth. And then finally, Kev, one of the great benefits to ABM is it actually informs your content and demand gen strategy further because it's actually forcing you to take a really narrow focus on a select group of really high value customers and creating tailored experiences around them. There are actually things that we can then amplify as part of our demand gen strategy. So it's great for narrowing your focus.
1: Yeah. And then taking the learnings and expanding it once again. All right, listeners. So, if any of those benefits sound like they are things that you want to get out of your B2B marketing, or it sounds like things that could solve your main pain points, whether that might be having a tough time working together with sales, or efficiently with sales, or even communicating with sales, or just getting to know your dream customers and high value accounts better and across the line into being a paid customer and a valued customer, then ABM, it's the approach that you should really be digging deeper into with us in the coming episodes.
0: Sorry to interrupt, guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The b2bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. Kev, I think a question that our listeners are really going to be asking is Well, when's the right time to use ABM? Where should I use account based marketing? And who is it even for? Is it for big teams? Is it for small teams? Kev, my opinion is that ABM actually has its place in most, if not all, B2B marketing teams. I mean, typically, because ABM means working on a one to one or a one to few basis, you want to make sure that the average customer value is actually high enough to justify the time, effort, and money spent in acquiring that customer. You wouldn't really do it, Kev, if you're just selling a product that's a few hundred dollars in a one-off purchase, but maybe if it was a couple hundred bucks in recurring revenue. So we've got to make sure that the amount that we're securing through this account-based marketing is worth the time and effort in procuring that actual customer.
1: Yeah, that's very true george but i do think uh, as you said it has its place in most b2b marketing teams even with a product that might only be a few hundred dollars if you have a few high potential high value customers it's still worth going after them because they might get you the learnings for you to then automate into a process online so that it's not an abm approach but it gets you 100 200 more of those few hundred dollar purchases uh, one-off purchases it really is case by case for you to work out whether it's justified to make that investment with an abm approach but do think a little deeper about whether it has a place in your b2b marketing strategy because as we see it most of the time there is definitely good justification
0: for it okay there's a few situations where i've seen it used really well For teams that actually have limited budget and resources that need results really quickly, it can actually work quite well. So this might be early stage VC-backed businesses that don't have the luxury of time to build a brand and need to bring in clients like much sooner rather than later. It can definitely be a great option there. Uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine that I met on LinkedIn, actually, uh, Catherine Leftbridge, and she works at a company called Work Factor. And she concluded that ABM is probably their best approach initially to meet their more immediate targets. And I absolutely agree with her. I mean, particularly because in their circumstance, in work factor circumstance, they're actually creating a new category. So they're trying to create a new category. There isn't really existing demand for the solution that that their business offers. So spending any budget on the lower funnel and spending money in places like Google Ads isn't really gonna work because there isn't demand there already to capture. So that's why an ABM approach is actually a really good allocation of resources for them because they can select A few accounts spend the time educating them work them over without spending too much money and then actually create really uh, high intent demand from there looking at the other end of the scale
1: we think it also really works for companies whose customers have high value this is probably the most common case that people think about when they think about an abm approach this is where the customer who might come on board will be on the basis of a long-term relationship or long-term engagement. And so the quality of the relationship that needs to be built here is the focus. There's lots of people in the buying committee that's involved in the client side or your client side to make that decision to come on board with you. And so there needs to be a lot of effort in terms of building a relationship of trust, build that solid foundation of trust with a wider group of people within that client business And so in order to do that, you really need to focus on a few key accounts because otherwise you'd be spreading your efforts too thin.
0: I actually think that's a particularly large opportunity, Kevin. I know a lot of our listeners are part of a very small marketing team, if not the only marketer in what is otherwise a very large business, be it like manufacturing, be it in IT consulting and the ability to use ABM and actually win over relationships and work with sales to win really high value accounts is huge. So that's a massive opportunity and is goes to show that ABM is actually available to small teams. So it's a really great option for, for you guys listening if you're part of a small team.
1: And George, ABM isn't just about acquiring new business, is it? It's about landing and then expanding. Expanding the scope of your work, upselling and cross-selling within existing businesses that might already be a client in some shape or form for example if you sell edtech to a school you might start with the PE department and win them over and then you can expand the size of the deal by gradually winning other departments within that same school.
0: Yeah, it's a great reminder, Kev, that there's actually several objectives to ABM. You can win over new client accounts. You can use it to land and expand to increase the scope of uh, how much you're working with existing clients. You can also use it to activate accounts that were really close to purchasing or are showing really high intent to buy and they just need that final trigger. And you can also use them for new renewal. So if we have some really high value clients, let's actually put together a campaign to make sure that we get that contract renewal when it's coming up.
1: Yeah, this concept of turning your best paying, your highest value customers to really advocates and the word of mouth evangelists for your business and ABM is just another way to do that. Uh, you can surprise and delight your highest value, most loyal customers so that they become good referral sources. Um, to other people who might find your products or services valuable.
0: So just to reiterate, Kev, some of those really key benefits of ABM is it can help narrow your focus so you can dominate a particular segment. It can get you real tangible results. It forces you to speak to your customers, which is actually a really big one because that's always tough and scary, but you have to speak to your customers to get this to work. You can use it to land and expand within an existing account And it just generally helps you better understand the buying journey. So part of the ABM process is re-engineering what that buying journey looks like. And then this is all awesome information that you can then take and uh, shift over to your other marketing programs so you are creating serious, real impact with your marketing. All
1: right, George, let's give our listeners a quick overview of the steps within an ABM approach that we're going to be talking about in the coming episodes. This is a framework that george and i look to approach abm whenever we look at the topic the first step is being clear on the mindset for the abm approach and that is we're going after a narrow segment of the market we're looking to use a spear to catch a few big fish one at a time rather than casting a wide net and hoping we catch some fish
0: That's it, Kev. And the types of fish, the big fish that we want to spear, how do we determine which of those we want? Well, we're going to develop an ideal customer profile. And we base that on who our dream customers are, our best ones. And we've spoken before about applying the 80-20 rule to your business to come up with the 20% of your customers, which are driving the 80% of the results. And we'll share more information on exactly how to apply that to your business again when we deal with this uh, in a later episode. But really, when you look and focus on that 20%, it helps you capture the essential information that you need uh, for this strategy and for ABM campaigns. Really core to this is figuring out who these top 20% companies and accounts are. We need to find out how they buy, why they buy from you over a competitor, what problems you help them solve, what value that they actually get from you. We can get a lot of this information, Kev, firsthand through customer interviews or, you know, that's how we prefer people do it. They can also do it by talking to sales teams, listening to sales course. But, you know, in our opinion, there's really no substitute for customer interviews. What's also really important when putting together these ideal customer profiles is making sure that our listeners define the buying committee. Now, the buying committee is looking at when we go into a business and we put forth our service or product, who are the decision makers, who are the influencers, who are the blockers and who are the champions? And we'll dive more into those roles again in a later episode. Part of that process of narrowing down the list
1: to your big fish clients Is tiering segmenting and disqualifying those that don't apply to you and don't belong in that bucket of big fish tier segmentation is all about taking the segment and breaking it down into three tiers depending on the revenue potential with these tiers you can then adjust your offering depending on the needs of bigger or smaller clients for example if you're selling to accounting firms tier one might be those with 500 plus employees Tier 2 might have 200 to 500, and Tier 3 might be 100 to 250 employees. You can then allocate time and resources for personalization across the tiers, naturally more to Tier 1 and less to Tier 3. Make a list of what disqualifies the companies when you're doing this, and you can add to this over time as your ABM campaign goes on and you hone your approach more and more.
0: Yeah, disqualification is really important in terms of helping us set parameters around who that ideal account is. So you might have a group of accounts that fit your ideal customer profile, but there might be a mindset or something about that account, which uh, maybe prevents them from ever using your product or service. Like Kev, with our B2B incubator, you know, a big part of What we help marketers do is really deeply understand their customer. So if a business isn't willing to give their marketer exposure to their customers, to interview them, chat to them, well, that's probably a deal breaker for us. And that's not the kind of client that we'd like to work with.
1: I think it's worth calling out here, George, that when you're disqualifying companies, you're not saying we'll never service them. They're not relevant to us at all forever. The idea is you're only honing in on a few big fish, you have limited resources, you can only cover a handful of big businesses. So you need to be quite strict in getting down to a list that small. And that means you have to note down the things that helps you to companies in big chunks so that you can get down to that small list quickly. And you have a set of rules to then apply going forward when you maybe are lucky enough to land that handful of clients and you need to find that next round of clients. To go to you can use those disqualifying rules look at them change them and update them very quickly to get your next group and so on and so forth
0: all right kev so in terms of steps for abm so far we've established the mindset that you need to take we said that you need to develop your ideal customer profile and part of that was <clears throat> doing the 80 20 rule figuring out who your dream customers are defining the buying committee Then after that, we need to do our tier segmentation and disqualification, which we just spoke about. Then really the next part that we need to look at is positioning and messaging. And positioning is how your prospects or customers perceive your product relative to other businesses in the same category. And messaging is how you're gonna amplify this in the customer's mind. So we need to adapt these to suit the segment that we're targeting. So that's a really key part that we will also dive into. The next step after that is
1: defining goals. Whether that's sales opportunities, deals expansion, activation or retention or renewals. The things that we discussed before that ABM can do for you and the business that you're working in. This is a step about defining which goals you're going after in your ABM approach so that that's clear for the whole team that's working on this and so everything is tailored towards driving towards those goals.
0: After that, Kev, we're going to look at really ABM playbooks and examples and we'll probably spend an episode or two on these and I think that's something that our listeners in particular will be interested in is seeing how this all plays out in practice. So we'll share some things that we do, but I think we can also bring some great guests on uh, who do probably a lot more ABM than we do and get them to show what works for different sized organizations.
1: Yeah, hopefully give our listeners a bit of inspiration into how they can really go into doing that ABM approach and not just follow the crowd, not follow the herd and what's the most obvious choices in the ABM approach space, but getting inspiration from the various different approaches really seeing how to apply the same framework, same way of thinking and approach and developing your own strategies and and implementing it in different ways when it comes to the specifics.
0: Finally, Kev, uh, the next step is, of course, executing ABM and we'll run through how to do that and then the analysis and reporting. So how to report on the success of the program, how to know what to adjust and take learnings into your next program.
1: All right, George and listeners, hopefully that was a great episode with a full overview of what the ABM approach entails. As we said at the beginning of the episode, we're going to be kicking into the specifics of the ABM approach in the coming episodes and dig into those different parts that we just spoke about. Key takeaways for this episode, ABM has a place in most B2B marketing teams. Whether you're early stage or well-established business, there's a lot of things it can do and it can bring to your marketing approach. So be sure to consider it carefully. And what it comes down to is this idea of creating highly personalized experiences for a smaller number of
0: target, high-value accounts and work with sales to win them over. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Listeners, you can find links to everything we've discussed in the show notes as always. And next week, we're going to start working through ABM in more detail, and we're going to dig into developing your ideal customer profile for ABM. We're so grateful that each week more and more marketers tune in each Monday. If we can ask just one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is that you listen on or even better pass the podcast on to someone who you think would get value from it. It's a huge help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thanks, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Take care and catch you next week, listeners. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at TheB2Bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts
1: with the buyer.